Hello, welcome to the eighth episode of Noah's Nonsense. I'm your host, Noah's Bratz. Today's date is April 19th, 2020, which means someone, something, Sunday. For the locals, the temperature is a little 39 degrees Fahrenheit and 4 degrees Celsius at the time of this recording, 7 p.m. According to Google, thanks for the weather. Guest speaker today, Jack Martin. Once again, not Jacob. Tell us about yourself, Jack. Oh, as I said, my name is uh, Jack, not Jacob. I'm currently a 16-year-old from uh, Random Lake, also attending Random Lake High School. Don't mean to spoil it, but for the reason I'm here is uh, tell about my uh, flying uh, experience as a pilot. All right. Thanks for that. Um, by the way, uh, his actual real name is John, not Jacob. So I'm, I'm sorry, Jack. Apologizing for that one. Off of, uh, next on is what socks are you wearing? Well, I'm currently wearing some comfortable thick wool black socks. Uh, they're from Cabela's. They're pretty nice. I'll tell you what. It's oh, a little right. sweaty in this hot weather, though. Oh, yeah. That 39 degrees. Muy, muy toasty. Yeah. All right. Next on the list. Jack, why did you want to fly? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, the answer will vary based off of who you ask. But I think if you ask me, I'll, I'll tell, you, I'd tell you the freedom that you get from it and the prestige. It doesn't come from anywhere else, you know? I mean, there's not really any other, I mean, besides transportation in general, there's not many other jobs that you can get paid for traveling the world and much like flying. And other people have different answers too. Like you don't have to fly to get paid. You can just buy your own airplane, get your private pilot's license and fly around the world in a single engine Cessna and no one will complain. People do that for leisure, hobby. Uh, That's what I'm doing right now, but I'm going to take that a step farther eventually and get paid for it. All right, sounds fluffy. So approximately how long does it take to get your pilot's license? That also varies. As with, you know, everything in aviation, I'll tell you, it, it varies. It's different from person to person. And experience in aviation is actually quite unique in that I started when I was 15 years old. So about a year ago, year and a half ago, that, that put me in a weird position where it was both beneficial and disadvantageous, I guess you could say, to my experience. The way it advantaged me, I guess, is... Uh, I got a good start, but the way it disadvantaged me is it takes a lot longer, which uh, it, it's going to take me about one and a half years to get my pilot's license. But most people, if uh, they really put the time and effort into it, they can get it done in like six to eight months. Again, it's very unique for me since you can't actually get your pilot's license until you're 17. You can't carry passengers, get your certificate until you're 17. Uh, so I have to wait, unlike most people. But that's, uh, that's, that's about it. It's six to eight months for normal people. But uh, can't you get your pilot's license at the age of 14? So what would you exactly get then? Oh, uh, no, that's, that's a different certificate. You can fly gliders, airplanes, I guess. You could just It's literally just an airplane without an engine. Get your solo certificate at 14, which means you can fly by yourself. But for that, you still also have to wait until you're 17 to get your full-fledged uh, certificate. The, huh. the world of aviation, I'll tell you, is really unique and uh, it's complicated. <laughs> so uh, what were the classes like? Well, again... Uh, my situation is uh, sticks out like a sore thumb compared to others. I, I, I did online classes. Now, that in itself is pretty <laughs> common for ground school. Let's see, there's two types of, much like driver's ed, you have your ground instruction where like you sit in a class, although it wasn't a class, I guess. It's complicated. But you have your in-class uh, session, and then you actually have your, like, your out-on-the-road, out-in-the-field experience. For my online instruction, uh, for my ground instruction, it was online. I took a class with Gold Seal. They're a flight school. Uh, that, that, that's pretty good. It's guaranteed pass once you take their course. And that, that was pretty uh, common in itself. But what wasn't common was um, my actual in the field behind the yoke instruction, I guess you could, tell, I guess you could call it. Um, 
I, I did private instruction with a private instructor. Uh, basically, I just hand them a $40 bill and then we go flying for an hour. That's pretty much how that goes. I call him up whenever and uh, if he's not busy, I just drive onto the airport and we're up in the air. For most other people though, who uh, admittedly aren't as fortunate as me, they, they have to go through a private school, uh, an actual established school. So uh, they'll go with like, a, almost every airport has their own school. And they, that, that school is like a business. They hire instructors. They, mo- they more often than not own their own airplanes. And they will charge rental fees as well as fuel surcharges, uh, instru- instruction fees, all that stuff. That's how most people do their uh, actual out in the field instruction. Uh, so that, that's that's the interesting part about it, I guess. Uh, it's like private industry, actually. All right. Isn't your uh, data pilot, though, or something like that? Yeah, he is. He um, that's that's uh, that's a good transition for uh, what else? Uh, the, that's a good transition for more that I have to say about my training experiences. That he actually work, he actually owns an airplane, and uh, for leisure, he doesn't work as a pilot, and he owns his own airplane. So I get to use that airplane whenever I want, which means that uh, there's a big chunk of fees that are taken out of my experience. I don't have to pay rental fees. All I have to pay is fuel and instructor fees and so he he doesn't fly that much now unfortunately uh i've mostly taken that role getting the cylinders moving (laughs) but um he did it like just like everyone else did the pilot's training i'm going in his exact tracks i guess you could say so that's that's what uh my dad did so father like son you're saying yeah okay that's uh nice to hear tell your dad i say hi of course and uh you told me the other day you worked at an airport. Yeah, I do. I, I do work at an airport, and it's not the airport I train at. I live between right. I live smack dab between two airports. I train at Sheboygan, and I work at West Bend. So it's a it's a bit of a I, I have to hop around like a ping pong ball, but it's a, it's a, it works out. Basically, I work at the airport. I do all those airport things. I'm a, it's the technical term is a line guy, lineman. I feel up airplanes and I tow them as needed. So if an airplane needs to be towed out of the hangar. I can get that done. There's not much to the job, actually. And on slow days, I'll just be doing office invoicing for fuel. I also invoice flight students on their flight lessons. That's pretty much it. It's a really relaxing job, honestly. It's not much to it. It's pretty boring. But, uh, you know, I'd much rather be doing that than uh, flipping burgers at McDonald's. <laughs> and or, making, I, or making sandwiches at Subway. Yeah, I know. that. That. that I feel sad for you. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so, um, with that, um, you know, I always wondered, is there more than one jet fuel? Like, you know, the other day I accidentally put in the wrong gas fuel in my car. Don't tell my folks, you know, do you, is there only one jet fuel at your place? Oh, no, no, no. That move, uh, if you were to do that in an airport, oh, that would probably cost, uh, a lot of money. And it'd probably cost, uh, if you had your pilot's license, that'd probably cost your pilot's license. Oh, but, ouch. uh, yeah, I know. It's not, it's not a forgiving uh, industry, I'll tell you that. But yeah, we have many different types of fuel. Not much more than you know, auto, uh, automotive industry, actually. We only, we, most airplanes will use 100 low lead. At, at, at our airport, they'll use 100 low lead. Those are for piston engine aircrafts. However, jet aircrafts, turboprops, turboprops are pretty much just jet engines. They'll use Jet A, which is a lot like diesel, actually. Um, they're very similar. 
Uh, they have a distinct smell from laundered low lead, and they're also the fuel's actually color coded too. So we we know exactly what we're putting into the airplane. So we make sure that nothing gets put in the wrong place. That sounds like a serious problem. Otherwise, speaking of cost, uh, how much did it cost from start to finish? through uh, your whole pilot's license and fuel and stuff like that. Well, and most instructors will pay 40 to 50 bucks an hour. That's uh, quite a bit right off the bat. But then you get to rental fees, which most people do have to deal with, which is probably around uh, $100 at the cheapest, $100 an hour at the cheapest. And then you'll get upwards of like 200 bucks for like complex, high performance aircraft. And then uh, plus the fuel, which most flight schools pay like uh, charge like a fuel surcharge. So it's basically just like a flat fee across the board no matter how long the flight is and that's like probably 20 bucks can be upwards of easily 280 bucks an hour uh, which is out of the reach of many people unfortunately and when you tally it up it can lead you up to like four thousand bucks in total start to finish and a lot of that also comes from the test fees the faa doesn't give you the test for free you have to pay 160 bucks right off the bat to do your written test and then when you get to the behind the wheel i guess you could say test it's called the check ride they pay about, they charge about 300 bucks for that. So it's no cheap ordeal. It's a commitment for sure. Uh, again, uh, lucky for me, I don't have to pay rental fees. I still have to pay fuel rental f- or instructor fees. And I also eventually have to pay for the written test and behind the wheel test, I guess. So I guess that's why you don't see many pilots roaming around. It's just too damn expensive for most people. All right. Uh, one more thing. So actually, where do you buy your fuel? Like, you know, you don't have a gas station to, you know, fly to or you know, you know, how do you, how do you get your fuel? Well, the, the, every airport, almost every airport, not all airports actually have fuel, but most airports have fuel and they'll be served by the FBO, the fixed based operator. And, uh, they'll, they'll dish out the fuel either through a fuel truck. And most airports also have a self-serve. So they actually do technically have like gas stations. <laughs> I guess it's, it works similarly. You just swipe your credit card, fill up, you're done. A full tank of gas on the plane I train will cost you probably about 300 bucks. Yeah, for a full tank. Yeah, it's it's not cheap. So that's how the fuel works. I mean, I'll tell you what, with this uh, COVID-19 stuff going around, it's been getting cheaper too. So I've been getting the year as much as possible. Oh, how much uh, miles per gallon do you get? Around 10. Yikes. Yeah, I know. I mean, if you've got a headwind, it'll be even worse than 10. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it, those things are not efficient at all. They're, they guzzle gas. <laughs> so you've been uh, talking about your flying and all of that. Would you please tell us your first uh, experience if you'd like to? I almost cried. It was it was overwhelming to say the least. I mean, I, I, did, I didn't take any ground instruction before my first lesson, which is unadvisable. So I knew nothing going into the cockpit of my first lesson. And my instructor just like, he was asking me a bunch of stuff like, are these... Uh, are these papers are in order? Is this airplane airworthy? How do I, how do I know this thing is legally able to fly? And I didn't know how to react at all. So um, he, uh, he walked me through the entire thing. And it was basically like drinking information through a fire hose. And I was, he was flipping through the pages of the maintenance logbooks. And I was, uh, I was just in awe, to say the least. I, I, I didn't know what was going on. And we weren't even in the air yet. And so the first lesson I did, uh, he uh, had me do a bunch of stalls, steep turns, all the stuff. Pretty much just a, it's pretty much a very short summary of what the test will be like, and I did, I I was overwhelmed. Okay, I mean I tell you what though, it prepared me for the for the uh, lessons that followed. Excuse me, you're excused. But it was uh, it was a certainly a new a unique experience that uh, I don't think it'll ever be replicated. <laughs> uh, 
Now, we did talk earlier today that you would like to mention a biggest mistake. Yeah, we all make mistakes in life and uh, pilots are no different. And my biggest mistake in the cockpit uh, by far was with my instructor, luckily. Um, but we are... Uh, we were getting ready for a routine lesson. No issue. We were doing. We were going out for some flight maneuvers. And now this was when I was about fifty hours in, uh, with flight training. So that's it's a lot of experience for a student pilot, but oh, okay. still not experience. Not that not much experience at all. But we were just rolling up to the runway, uh, and we heard this guy a couple miles out, maybe five miles out, more like three, I guess. And we heard him telling on the radio that he was like a couple miles out. He was landing on our runway and that was okay. We were like, we were thinking we can get a takeoff and no problem. And so we quickly did our pre-flight, pre, uh, uh, pre-takeoff tests. And it was all, it all turned out well. And we uh, just rolled out on the runway, lined up. And all of a sudden we heard on the radio, this guy that from before, he said that he was aborting his landing and we were like, we were confused, like why? And all of a sudden we heard him and saw him fly overhead of us, probably a couple like 30 feet. Uh, and he was right over us. And we were, we were quite freaked out to be honest, because we didn't know how we got there so fast. We uh, thought for sure that we could have gotten it in. But uh, uh, there was a brief exchange on the radio afterward because uh, we hadn't heard him at all coming in prior to like that first call he made so we definitely thought that he uh was traveling a little faster than he should have but it was a uh, quite a big deal though uh, it's a runway incursion uh that could have been it could have been deadly but uh we're not sure how that happened honestly he was either going way too fast or he just forgot to make his radio call but uh we were quite shook up after that and it really oh i opened our eyes to you know situational awareness maintaining our eyes and ears uh outside the cockpit so that was probably my biggest mistakes i'm sure it's it, it's it wasn't my first mistake and it won't be my last i'm sure i'll have an even bigger one later but uh, that's the one i have to share now that's the one that takes the podium that's <laughs> uh, okay Jim. Jack, we we all make mistakes, and you know, and I'm I bet you're a better uh, driver now because of that too. And you, I bet that awareness helps you in your drive. At least I'm hoping so. Uh, maybe. Uh, that's okay. I only I only have you drive PC parts over occasionally, so eh, no big deal for me. Yeah, but, I know. Yeah, so that's uh that's it for this one. Please like, share, subscribe, comment down below on any of my social media. I know it's nonsense. I'm on Anchor, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Heck, send an email if you want with questions, comments, and concerns in any form. All of my social media links are provided once again in the description. With that, tell your folks I say hi. Take care. This will be the last one uh, video-wise I'll be making, and then I'll be reevaluating my channel. So please provide feedback in all sorts of formats. Um, I want to put those end cards to vote on your favorite episodes. Please let me go. Let me know. Uh, and um, thanks to Jack Martin for being on the show. What a pleasure. What a pleasure. Well, thank you. Take care. Goodbye. Now to the bloopers. Hello. Welcome to the eighth episode of Snow and the Snot. Oh. <laughs> all right, all right. Does that normally happen? <laughs> yeah, normally. <laughs> Bravo. I'm, gonna, I'm leaving that in and I'm just going to bleep out my like do it again and then we're just gonna start over all right <laughs>